Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the 15th episode of the Without Context podcast. Um, I want to forewarn everyone before we begin this that uh, this is probably going to be a little heavier than what we normally do. We like to be lighthearted. We like to, you know, have fun. But it is our responsibility also as a nerd pod, nerd culture podcast that we talk about the other things that happen within the gaming sphere. Uh, so when things like massive walkouts happen, we have to we have to talk about that, and we have to do our due diligence. As uh, myself and Haley are disenfranchised, you can see Sharky is not with us today. He is behind 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 the scenes on the camera. We love him, uh, but this is this is for this one's going to be for the disenfranchised me myself, a non-binary person of color, Haley, a woman. Um, and with that, I think we'll just start. Well, I'll pass it off to Haley to speak on these things that have uh, the the what has started the, our topic, and then I have some questions that I have gotten from my other co-hosts uh, and myself, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of bounce back and forth. So we'll start with you, Haley. Yeah, sure. So uh, if you're into like the video gaming world, I'm sure it has been brought to your attention over the past months, years, however long. Uh, with issues of sexual misconduct at uh, high levels of administration for certain gaming companies. The big ones in the topic of conversation right now are Activision Blizzard and their subsidiaries. Um, and it just felt to me like the time to just share personal stories on how that sort of culture at the top trickles its way down to just general community. Um, so I think DECA had content warnings you wanted to go over. Yes. Uh, so as Haley has alluded to, I think we're going to go over like uh, content warnings such as like threats of violence, uh, sexual misconduct for sure. So like sexual harassment, uh, that kind of thing. There may be some rape, me rape mentions. So I just want you all to just... If 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 that is if that is not like the thing you come here for, that's perfectly fine. You can skip this one. We'll we'll come back next week. We'll talk about PlayStation Two games. I promise. Um, yeah, and I think with my storytelling, I think content that we'll touch on is sort of unhealthy relationship dynamics, some like emotional, mental abuse type things, and just general uncomfy feelings involving being in a GameStop. Which I feel like is its own content warning. Content warning GameStop mentioned. My my favorite liminal space, a GameStop. <sighs> my least favorite liminal space, a GameStop. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, did you want to go ahead and start with questions? Um, did you actually want to start with like the 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 latest one about like Blizzard? Sure. I know very little because mm -hmm. uh, as a form of self care, I am informed, not immersed. Um, but what has really jumped out at me with Activision Blizzard is just a pervasive culture of sexual misconduct towards female and non-gender conforming members of staff, and there being systems in place to sort of brush that under the rug, and there is allegedly a body count associated with that at Blizzard, where, um, I guess content warning, mental health, suicide mentions. Yes. Um, it's alleged that a female staffer, which like fact check me on this one. I haven't read that story in a while because I'm like, I see Activision Blizzard and I'm like, no thanks. Nope. No. Uh, <laughs> hard pass. Fair enough. Uh, but it's alleged that due to the pervasive abuse and lack of action from administrative staff that a woman was driven to suicide who worked at Activision Blizzard, which is. is the most devastating thing I feel like I've ever heard in sort of a like hobby gaming space that uh, then when you pair it with the latest allegations against, uh, I guess he's the CEO of Activision, Bobby Kotick or Kotick or whatever his name is. Yeah. I don't really care what his name is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, where he sort of enabled this behavior. He lied to his board of directors who are allegedly behind him 100%. People are calling for him to resign. Haven't really read any follow up on that because that was all I needed to know. It was like, cool, Activision still sucks. <laughs> um, so hearing about that sort of toxic culture at the top 
really made me reflect on how that toxic culture, uh, utilizing one of my least favorite uh, idioms, trickled down uh, to general gaming culture. And that's when I approached uh, Decca and Sharky and the other uh, hosts to be like, hey, can we talk about this? Like, I want to talk about it. So here we are. Talk we are, about it. I want to. I want to take a peek behind the curtain. I want. I just want to say we are all like all of the male presenting uh, hosts of uh, this podcast. Uh, we are all behind Haley one hundred percent. We are empowering her to speak her piece, and I will speak my piece as somebody who has, um, in the past, run a gaming organization, uh, which is like a significantly lesser version of the things that happen um in in the space yeah like i was telling duck in a private conversation uh these stories are upwards of a decade old that i'll be sharing and i haven't talked about it like in this sort of forum ever before like my close friends sort of know what's gone on with it and it's like a running joke uh, not that it's funny. I make it funny because it's my story. I get to control it. It's a coping it. mechanism, right? Coping mechanism. Yeah, I get but it. But if I didn't feel as like comfortable, safe, and empowered as you were saying, Decca, to I wouldn't be talking. I, like I would have read that story and then just like not said a peep, and just like let it sort of go over and see like maybe they'll talk about it, and if they do, maybe I'll like make the joke of like LOL, League of Legends traumatized me in college. Um, but nothing as serious, like, I don't plan on getting super serious, but like, I wouldn't be speaking in this sort of fashion if it weren't, if I didn't feel as like empowered and like wrapped in a net of safety as I do with my fellow hosts. So thanks, fam. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, this is also like, this isn't just an Activision Blizzard thing in the slightest. It's just the latest of a long line of different workplace cultures that are, it's not even just gaming, but this is, it's within our sphere. It is, the gaming just happens to be within our sphere of influence that we have to talk about it. It is our responsibility to do that, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it pervades STEM, it pervades anything that is like masculine dominated. It pervades um, everything. <laughs> Which is largely everything. Yes. Unfortunately, so everybody's got to deal with it always, and it sucks. So, uh, so uh, I, like I said, the other co-hosts and I have come up with a few questions um, that I think we'll go into. I don't think this, this, uh, I almost said session. Who? Who? I don't (laughs) think this. this, I don't think this episode is going to take or be as as long running as the others. Um. Uh, just because it's it, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask Haley a few questions as the female slash femme presenting person here, um, and we'll we'll bounce back and forth between them. Um, so I'll start I'll start at the top with this. Uh, so uh, my first the first question from uh, myself is: Has all have all the higher profile people being called out for their behavior made you more or li- less likely to come out if somebody makes you uncomfortable? And then why or why not? That is, that, that's a complex question. It's got layers. So in general, like my gut reaction to just reading that question is like, absolutely not. Like, it doesn't matter that like the guy who invented Call of Duty or whatever is being called out on his nonsense because it it's just like, what am I, like, what am I going to say that's worse than what's already happened? Or like, what do I have to contribute that like matters? Question mark. Um, so my gut reaction to that question is no, it's not going to make me feel more comfortable saying anything, but I apparently initiated this session to talk about it. So, uh, apparently I feel comfortable enough with you guys, uh, you all to talk about it in this sort of fashion. Mm -hmm. So it's nuanced. Um, if like, not that I ever imagined this would happen, but like if we're all playing some game together and one of you guys happened to say something that was mean, I don't think I would be the first person to call someone out on it. And I just, that's why I feel like I'm okay talking here 
but if I'm like with a group of people I don't know as well and they say something that's just like iffy or mean I probably would just like all right let me cross these people off the hangout with ever again list and just vanish into the ether and never speak to them again <laughs> which has been sort of my mo for a very long time especially with gaming um yeah I have always I feel like that stems from a sort of inferiority complex that I have when it comes to gaming which I think has sort of come out in some of our video game episodes of this podcast uh because I just feel like hella basic when it comes to gaming because like I don't have the like extensive background in gaming like I would be considered like a filthy casual or whatever you gamer nerds say you're saying the royal you to the to the audience, not the royal the you royal to me. You. The royal you. <laughs> the royal you. Yes. Um, like, I'm not somebody who's, like, played every, like, classic game that it seems like if you watch someone on Twitch or on YouTube that plays games, they have, like, this, like, checklist of games. Like, yeah, real gamers have played A, B, C, D, and E. And I'm like... I play Pokemon, I played like Super Mario, I play Stardew Valley. <laughs> like, um, and I think like I have some complicated uh, thoughts on why I feel so many, especially women in femme presenting or just like non-hardcore gamers feel isolated from like the gaming culture is because the people who are making gaming content are not your average gamer. There are people whose like entire life revolves around playing video games. That's the so then, so then they're stand setting the standard of like, if you're a gamer, you check all of these boxes. And if you don't, what are you even doing here? You don't belong here. So we, I have, I'm guilty of measuring my validity in a gaming space based off of these gaming influencers. Like, oh, I can't be a gamer. Like, uh, Valkyrie or Pokemon because you'll never catch my ass playing Valorant ever. Never. <laughs> way too um, sweaty. It's not even that it's way too sweaty. It's just, it's a game that's made by Riot and I just... <laughs> we'll get to Riot that. in a sec, I'm sure. <sighs> I feel like uh, Riot fans are going to be really bad. Oh, and well. even just like talking in this sort of candid way because like for me, I'm just talking to my buddy Decca, and then it's just going to end up on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um... It's real. Like I've been stressed out about this for like days. <laughs> I've been stressed out, honestly, since we finished recording last week's episode, where I had some disparaging remarks about oh, Ocarina of Time, and I've just been sweating that internally for like days. Because like <laughs> voicing opinions as someone who looks like me and games like me is sort of opening myself up to a level of danger I don't always feel comfortable doing. But I know, like, if I said something snarky like Ocarina of Time ain't shit, which is what I said in that podcast, if anyone said anything in the comments, one or all of you would be like, <laughs> precisely, precisely. So I'm picky with who I vicariously game through. Um, so I feel like if something happens in their community, I know that like that's gonna get stomped out immediately. So like I watch people like Game Grumps, Jack Septicai, Lil Simsy, Claire Siobhan, Gab Smolders, Falky Ray, a little bit of Saikuno, just as YouTube stuff. Like streaming is exhausting to me. Yeah. A little bit of offline TV, just because I think they're cool. Like their viewpoint is unique and diverse, and that's not something you see all the time. Usually just a bunch of white boy gamers, and I'm like, ugh, boring. And Kelsey Dangerous, I watch a lot of her Sims content, but I hope that roundabout answered your question <laughs> well you said no specifically as a gut but also with so the way i think i would summarize it is like with strangers you would not want to but as if you're with people that you are around that you are comfortable with that you've had a relationship with um you are more comfortable i'm um, using the royal relationship as like the you know but yes that that is what i get gathered from that cool. um extrapolated um, <laughs> question one of four. <laughs> it only gets scarier. Oh, sorry, one of five. It only gets scarier. All right, so I think I'm an. I think I'm, I will also answer this question as a, as a person of color, but I want to get through not this one, but the next one I have. 
Um, but uh, uh, because I think they also exist for people of color as well as femme, female people. Uh, I don't think it has empowered me any... Uh, like, uh, full disclosure, uh, I have been sexually harassed before, but that was decades ago. Um, and it wasn't in a gaming space. It was at school. Uh, and I've gone through... I, I see your face. I will. We'll talk about it. Uh, and <laughs> I was like, "Who hurt you? I'm gonna fight him." <laughs> so that's the thing, right? Like, as a masculine person, like the instinct is like, "Hands up, get ready." But um, due to extenuating circumstances that I I don't feel comfortable going in on on the podcast, uh, I I stayed my hand, and it just like and it, it just turned into for a bunch of years like, "Huh, that was weird," um, and it just festered for forever. Um, I've since, you know, passed through it because, again, it's been uh, 15-ish years at this point. Um, but it's still every now and again, I still think about it like, what if, you know? Um, so I don't think, uh, much like you, I don't think I am any more empowered to come out about somebody if they have made me uncomfortable. But also, I am just as likely to slug them in the face. So, like... Um... <laughs> Well, like I, I think I think I'm a I think I'm uh that is the masculine versus feminine dynamic we have here that I have that privilege to just like slug somebody if they make me uncomfortable. Um, but it is prevalent in the um, communities that some of the other communities that I am in that um, um again I won't disclose names because that's that's that shit's private but like that is prevalent in some of the other communities and I am. Uh, I applaud those people who have the bravery to come out about those things, and I support them fully, uh, just as I'm supporting Haley here. Yeah, I I feel like the only time I've ever been put into a situation where I, well, two instances, and again, like, I'm going to keep names out of my mouth because these people aren't here to defend themselves, and this took place a decade ago. Um, so they could be entirely different people now, so let's not judge people on who they were in the past without knowing who they are in the present. Um, but once during like a program that we held when I was an RA in college, we had a bunch of people playing the, um, Halo game. I think it was like Halo Reach at the time online and mostly against each other. But sometimes we had to like open the game up for like whomever was on the internet, which is like scary in itself. And a couple of my guy friends thought it would be funny for them to like play with the controller, but put the headset on me and have me trash talk, which I had no idea how to trash talk in that kind of game. I never played an online game like that. I'm very much a one player, like solo campaign type person. And when I tell you, I was on that headset for less than five minutes and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. And like, I, I, I can't remember specifics of what they said because I think I was just like in shock as to what was happening. But everyone else was like, when I would say what they were saying or the other people would hear it in their headphones and were like laughing, I was like, oh, this bad thing that's, I feel like a bad thing is happening to me, but everybody else thinks it's really funny. So I must just be being really sensitive right now. Like I just, I must not just understand, like this must just be gamer stuff. And I never picked up a game like that ever since, like one and done. I might play like a co-op game, like offline with people in that sort of style, but I'm never going to just be like, ooh, I feel like playing Halo, like over my dead body. And the other instance was at a house party. And this is another game I'm very loath to pick up and I have to like read the room and trust everybody in the room. Super Smash Brothers. I, the person I was with at the time, we were on opposite ends of the room. I had shown up late to the gathering and picked up a controller. Someone was like, oh my gosh, Haley, play Falco or Captain Falcon, the like the punch kick guy. And yeah. I don't know how to play that game. I couldn't tell you how to play that game. So they're like, I'm just hitting buttons so I can be done with the situation and then like go get a snack or something. And I'm like accidentally doing well. And person I was with across the room, very upset. They're like, who's playing so fucking cheap? 
with oh this Captain God. Falcon and like slowly moving from me down the line towards my then partner, people were starting to realize who was playing Captain Falcon. <laughs> and it turned into this whole thing of just like, I had never heard my partner at the time use that sort of tone or language around me. And it sort of changed my opinion of them. I was like, the shit that he was saying was very cruel and very mean. And I was like, you know what game I don't have, I don't want to play ever again is like Super Smash Bros. Or I'll just purposefully take myself out of competitive contention and just hold the controller and just wait to die. Or just purposefully, like, I guess they would call it like trolling or memeing. The game for yourself? Just, yeah, just wait for it to be over like like getting a vaccine <laughs> just like all right this is gonna be unpleasant but it'll be over soon um so in that you mentioned the uh like some of the things that you said that you're like hey uh this seems like it's a bad thing but maybe i'm just being too sensitive because these people thought that they i they were it was funny apparently uh that actually brings me into my next question of uh how do you, as a fan-specific person, and then I have some insight on this as a POC as well, how do microaggressions manifest for you in the gaming space? Sure. So most of my understanding of microaggressions has come from like diversity and sensitivity training as a white person. I don't always have as much exposure to microaggressions as other groups would. So I just want to kind of acknowledge my privilege in that sense that like, I might be a lady, but at least I'm a white one. Um, but I actually, I sat with this for like three days, Deca, when you gave me this question. And I was like, I don't think that's happened to me. Cause like, and I like went back through like a bunch of my old training manuals and like looked up a bunch of literature on microaggressions to be like, cause they don't feel small when they're happening to you. Mm -hmm. Which is why I don't like that they're called microaggressions. They feel like macroaggressions when they're happening sure, to sure. you. And you sort of gaslight yourself into thinking like, well, I guess it's not, they're not, like, that's not their intention. So I need to negate the impact that it makes on me, which is not what that's, no. That is exactly um, why they're called microaggressions. Microaggressions. <laughs> yeah. So I had a whole, like, coming to the Lord moment about that and just sort of, like, woke up at 3 a.m., like, in a cold sweat, like. Fuck that person. <laughs> um, I've had that too. I've written down a few instances of things which like we can talk about it just to like verify like these might not be considered microaggressions they just felt really lame to me um certain ways when people say like oh you're a gamer girl there's a connotation to that which i don't always appreciate um you aren't a real gamer if yep. yada da 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 um and it's always usually something where the other half of if is something that applies to me of course you would like that game. What What do you mean? The Sims is fun and you can fight me about it. Um, this is more of a guy's game. Heard that a lot about Fallout and Skyrim. And I'm like, uh, tell that to my husband and two beautiful children. <laughs> um, you can be the girl or you can be the healer. Um, which that gave me a whole like, let me re-examine how I interact with D&D &D because I tend to go towards like the support healing classes. And I'm like, is this my own internalized, like whatever, but I just like spellcasters. Yes. So I was going to say, if that is your bag, then, you know, own up to it. Cause dudes play healers too. And they don't get shit for it. I love playing healer. I made the healiest healer that ever healed for Sharky's game. Yeah, and I exactly. love playing her. She's the And best. I love playing with her. It's great. She's adorable. She's absolutely she adorable. Who doesn't have to heal anymore? He can just shoot people. And uh, we have um, this one sort of is uh, ubiquitous in my life. Uh, you aren't like other girls. The pick, the classic pick me attitude, yeah. And it's it used to be I felt like that was a really high compliment. Like, oh my god, I'm not like other girls. And now I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite um, stories on that tangent. Uh, first semester of college when I first started hanging out with like gamer gamers um, 
to appear less threatening to their girlfriends at the time, I would just dress like an absolute slobber on them all the time, just to like me being respectful of their relationship and not have their girlfriends be like, who's this new girl coming in? Like, no. So the first time I had to like dress up for a presentation for school, went over to the guy's room that we normally would go play like Pokemon Snap or something after classes. And I was like, had makeup and stuff on and he's staring at me across the room. And I'm like, what's your problem? Like, what is it? He's like, what's on your face? And I'm like, and the other guy's like, she's wearing makeup. Shut up. You're an idiot. And he's like, I just forget she's a girl sometimes. That felt weird to me. That felt like a weird thing to say. Yeah. Um, she's not a girly girl. She's a gamer. I feel like this might just be a personal thing for me. I don't enjoy being called a gamer. It's an insulting to me when somebody says, oh yeah, Haley's a gamer. Anxiety Lizanne is a gamer. Like, give me that. No, that is not a, that I don't self-identify as a gamer. There's too many like negative icky things associated with being like, I'm a gamer. Like, no. And, uh, are you faking for attention? She's faking for attention. Like being bad at a game, like, oh, she's just faking it for attention. Or like, oh, like you can't exist in any way in a gaming space without somebody thinking you're being disingenuine. Uh, so hated that. Um, I don't know if this counts as a microaggression, but I felt like it came into this category. Uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver were the first handheld games I ever played. Mm-hmm. And then Crystal came out. And the the line that changed my life, you're going through the intro screen. It says, are you a boy or are you a you're girl? A girl. <laughs> I can play as girls? I can put. Pl- I can be girl in game. Uh, no other Pokemon game at the time had that option. Even like some, I, I don't know about when the N64 games came out in like tan, like in tangents to uh, Crystal. But looking back on that moment is kind of odd because I was so excited to be a girl. And when her little sprite came up with like her blue hair and her blue outfit, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. But the boy in all those games looked like a normal human boy with human boy features like brown hair and like whatever, like neutral skin tone. And then the girl has blue hair. Like she didn't even look like an actual person. They had to automatically be like, she has blue hair because the game is blue. And I'm like, of course you have blue hair and pronouns. <sighs> it... Mm. <laughs> So that was fun to sort of look back on while preparing for this today. It was like, even when we had a win, we were still like... Kind of an L. Kind of an L. Um, <laughs> even when we got a W, with a little bit of an L. Uh, you recall in the last episode when we talked about Army Man, this exact thing happened uh, where the, uh, the... We didn't actually put the box up, and that's fine. Um, but the all the Army Men, all the men... Uh, in that game, look like regular dudes. Like, uh, and some of them like were kind of racially. Army men. Yeah, some and many of them were also like racially coded somehow, even though they're all green. Um, <laughs> and then the one woman looks like a has tits like McGee. a tits McGee, uh, <laughs> lo- like her hair in a ponytail in a green ponytail, like cleavage, because you have to know that that person is female. Um, you have to, uh, for whatever reason, the game might have. I call it the Laura Croft effect. Mm-hmm. Tits McGee. I will say, Metroid did a good job. Oh, yeah, because you didn't know, like, even in the first ones, you didn't know until you, like, beat the game and the armor came on. Yeah, like, I have some complicated feelings about it, but, like, at least they didn't make Samus a Tits McGee, and I will always be happy on that little perch. Samus is uh, canonically like jacked. We love Samus. She's great. Um, but back with microaggressions, I feel like gaming is sort of a unique experience being a marginalized community member because, like, in academia, if someone's gonna be lousy to you, you see their face and their job title and their their resume and their CV and everything. But with gaming this toxic behavior is sort of behind a gamer tag or behind a screen 
and you can sort of get away with anything. And I know when I was talking with Duck about a topic we'll talk about in a little bit, like there are things that the industry can do to cut down on that within like their gaming platforms, which is super great. But like a lot of my negative experiences happened off platform and that's a little bit harder to control. And I think that's all that I had to say about it. Um, oh wait, with these microaggressions, I found a negative coping mechanism is just lean into it. Like sometimes it's easier to just hide behind what they expect you to be. Mm-hmm. So at least you're being like disingenuous and there's like a shield or like a mask between you and that person who's being terrible to you. Um, there was a TikTok that I came across about a girl's experience at everyone's least favorite place in the world, ye old GameStop, where you can go in as a girl who's well-informed about how games work and say, I want this game for the Xbox. And they'll go, Is, are your boyfriend's games green or are they blue? And after she tried to explain that she knew that they were green or whatever one she was buying, green or blue, I think she was buying PS5 games so they were blue. She's like, oh my God, you're right. All of his games are blue. And then she got the game she wanted. So sometimes you have to like lean into it to even just survive, which is terrible. And I'm guilty of doing it. Like, especially like in GameStops, yes. Uh, Also in like D&D stores, I'll be like, oh my God, do you have like the latest Matt Mercer book or like Critical Role? Even though like I've been playing D&D for a long time. I know exactly what I want, but it's easier if you just appease these weirdos and be like, oh yeah, she's a dumb gamer, just give her this thing and then she'll leave. <laughs> and I will escape relatively unscathed. I think you've been playing D&D at least as long, probably longer than I've been playing D&D, because that's just a thing you do in college. I didn't start playing D&D like, seriously until 2018. Mm-hmm. So about as long if not a little bit longer than me and i have a patreon about dnd so like um, and i still get asked um are you sure that you're looking for this and not like which what does your boyfriend what did your boyfriend tell you to come and get uh he wanted me to come and get one of the like rolly things That, that's just anytime I walk into one of those spaces, like the last time I had to go to GameStop, I like almost threw up in the parking lot. I was so scared. I made my fiance come with me. And as soon as we walked through the door, there was a girl and a girl with blue hair. And I was like, I'm safe. <laughs> I will get through this unscathed. No one's going to bother me. <laughs> and the, the, the rush of relief, like I almost, I almost shit my pants because I was just so relieved. <laughs> But yes, microaggressions. Do you have anything I, to say? I think for me, uh, the ones I've like really take like a keen look on are like um, LGBT ones, uh, because uh, technically, like I I would consider um, I don't think I would consider a, a microaggression. But when I look at a, especially in the in the D and D space, when I look into the uh, uh, the world of a, of a dungeon master, and they're not, you don't, they're not like organically utilizing an LGBT uh, representation in some way. And I'm not saying that you, as a creative, have to do that, but I find that not having it informs me of how who you are as a person. Um, I have at uh, there has been another table, not the one we play at, uh, but there is one time that. Uh, they there was just this awful transphobic like rhetoric about you know the the you know that the the classic like cw transphobia uh sorry guys uh the the classic like adam's apple thing right um and that was awful and that like that like you said earlier changed my opinion about that person um and it's like well you suck actually and that informed my that informed my decision making about playing with this person again. Like I want to finish this campaign and never ever talk to this person again. And that's my <laughs> privilege as somebody who is uh, not trans in that way. I guess um, that I'm masculine presenting having Adam's apple 
whatever, whatever. Um, and I can, I don't feel the, I don't feel offense enough to like have to completely leave a table, but I could see where somebody who is trans in, uh, to who, who would be like really put off by that and how they would leave, they would just that little bit leave. Um, so I think the ones I find, um, I also find like a lot, just in general, if you cannot organically do like representation, it's just like not even just LGBT representation, but like racial representation or like, you know, I if I can't clearly see myself in a game, not just through the PC that I play, but like through the other people in the world, then I kind of shy away from that group. I kind of think they're a little bland and I just don't like being in them. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think in the last like two and a half years, I've really had like a self, like an internal renaissance in that. Um, I think it also has to do with that. I, I cut ties with an extremely terrible person that sort of um, controlled, whether implicitly or explicitly controlled a lot of how I saw and interacted with the world. That now, instead of like, hiding behind like yeah I like playing Stardew Valley more than I like playing Skyrim um that would be something you wouldn't ever catch me fessing up to two years like 2018 no way totally different person would be sitting here we wouldn't be having this conversation because I'd be like there's nothing like that happening you're just being ridiculous um microaggressions terrible stuff um but now I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to play my cozy, comfy, girly, lamer games, lamo games. I'm going to read my dumb fairy smut books. I'm going to watch my dumb romance anime. And you're going to fight me. And I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, I'm too old and too tired to have to keep trying to fit into, like, cleaving parts of myself away to fit somebody else's idea of what I should be. I'm too old for that nonsense these days. That's, that's another thing, right? Because I'm 32. I am much too old for this shit. I'm going to go for the things I like. And uh, as someone with a beard, I guess I have that privilege that I could do that and not receive a lot of flack. Um, but I can't even imagine like what you, Haley, and other femme and uh, female people have to have to go through to, you know, be accepted. Yeah, like, uh, the time has come where Haley shits on Riot. Um, <laughs> I I looked up Riot before this podcast just to make sure that um, my criticism could be multifaceted. Uh, my personal grievances with Riot are outside of the toxic work environment that has been alleged there. I think the articles were back in, like, 2018 or so when this all came to light. Don't know what resolved from it. Don't know any other details other than I found a uh, controversy section on their wiki and was like, that's enough for me. Um, I feel the greatest responsibility of these companies, besides creating a safe work environment as like the bare minimum, is you're putting a product into the world and you have to be responsible for how it impacts the world. It's called in economic terms, fancy academic terms, internalizing your negative externalities. Um, so with Riot's case, I feel League of Legends is one of the most toxic gaming communities I've ever had the misfortune of associating with. Now I know that is something that's very, I, I don't know if it's near and dear to you all, but it definitely brought a lot of the other hosts together. I think I'm the only person amongst the Without Context cast that doesn't fuck with League. <laughs> um, it's, it's wild because I don't fuck with League in the way you think I fuck with League. I play strictly with my friends who I know... It's it's much like you coming forward with like things. I play with my friends that I know, and whenever I whenever I play in solo queue with like by myself, I just treat these people as just like they don't exist. They're just AI. They yeah. say weird things every now and again, and I just you know I keep it going. Yeah, um, I have never played League of Legends. I tried to do the tutorial; it was not for me. Uh, but I can safely say. And I, my therapist has validated me in this. I have been traumatized 
by the effects of League of Legends. I had a romantic partner in college who was very serious about that game. And when I was not deemed being supportive enough, I was punished in one way or another when I would vocalize like, you play this game a lot. I'm literally a human woman in your house and you're playing League of Legends for seven hours while I sit and watch Netflix. Um, I had a head injury one time and was shuffled off to what would turn out to be an even more abusive person in my life, um, to be looked after because he had a project to do. My romantic partner at the time had a project. That project was playing League of Legends with his friends. He just didn't want to have to deal with me so he could go play League of Legends with his friends. I would have to show support of his interest, I guess by memorizing the names of the little whatevers you play in that game. The champions? I have so many terrible stories about like how at the time as I was processing it, it was League of Legends that was doing it to me. Now that I'm a decade removed, it was not League of Legends. It was a terrible person empowered by a toxic community surrounding League of Legends. So while League of Legends is not the core root of my problem, you do get to be part of my ire. And I feel Riot and companies like Riot have a responsibility to not ex- like to make sure their communities aren't like this. Because while I never had to be like, go back to the kitchen or like sexually harassed on a, a queue, is that what you called it? I still had to suffer because of that game and how that game affected somebody in my life. The same happened with Overwatch, which is not the same company as that Blizzard that does Overwatch. It's to the point where I can't hear like, like that sort of keystroke or like rapid mouse clicks without having panic attacks. Like can't hear it, can't associate with it. Um, So my major ire with the gaming industry is like, you've allowed these toxic communities to have real world effects outside of the screen in which your game plays on. And that's not something I don't think anybody has addressed. It's it's so wild to me. um, And we're kind of getting into the third question. So I'm just going to let it rock. Um, It's so wild to me that theoretically, these billion dollar companies have all of this money that they put towards like, you know, trying to figure out the root of why these games are so goddamn toxic. And they have all these specialists that come in and all of these people, and all this money, and they can't get to the root of why their games are toxic. Uh, it is just, and it's much like you said, it's a culture thing. It's, it is literally because the people at the top are so goddamn toxic. Uh, some of them are Trump supporters. Or which is its own thing. You could you could even boil it down to say, like, for example, but like I'm gonna talk about leak because that's sure. what I have the most direct influence with. When I had when my close circle of friends in college started getting into league around like 2011, it consumed them. They would play it in their free time, they would watch these leak like these tournaments online. There were teams. There were these people that were venerated for how good they were at a game. They got money. They got attention. They, I'm sure they got like other forms of like, they got money. They got sponsorships. They got notoriety. So of course, these people that I was friends with started to idolize those types of people. And for example, like my, I, I know through a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, whatever, someone who dropped out of Carnegie Mellon to pursue playing League of Legends professionally. And then that sort of like, that's a weird flex in and of itself that you dropped out of of Carnegie frickin' Mellon. Um, And I think with games, it's sort of a unique thing where there's so much of culture now focused on like, you can make a living on gaming. You have streamers, like when they released all those leaks from Twitch on how much people were making on Twitch, 
oh yeah, of course you're going to devote more and more of your time to this game. Aspirational to now. To get better items, you have to play more so you can get more in-game currency to get the better stuff. Like it's it's like an addiction. It's like gambling. And it's when you said that they had like panels and like experts come in and figure out why it's so toxic. Soccer has a can have a really toxic culture too. Like hooliganism and like gangs associated with soccer. But one thing they're really good at is they know what soccer and football culture does to you outside of the stadium. So they have campaigns against domestic violence. Like if your team loses, your wife or your husband shouldn't have to suffer. Your children shouldn't have to suffer. Um, Which maybe gaming should pick that up from a professional sport. Like you, like there's never been a veneration of like a work or like a gaming life balance. It's always like, you got to grind, you got to grind, you got to grind. And I'm rambling, I'm off my notes. <laughs> but I think that there's like the companies, you can't fix a culture without fixing up here first, if it's going to be a top-down thing, which, uh, hi, the, um, the master's degree that's off screen is in public administration. A top-down approach rarely works well. It need, it, you get a lot more positive, like systemic positive change from a bottom-up approach. So it has to come from communities. And I feel like that's starting to happen where marginalized communities are starting to feel more empowered and supported to start moving things grassroots up. And maybe that's what it'll take because like top-down clearly is not an option. If they can't even keep their dicks in their pants at the fucking administrative level, we're fucked. There's so many reports from Riot of like, there's a, there is a VP who I believe still works at the company uh, who like taps the, like the crotch of like males uh like 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 taps their you know testicles and like farts on people like these people make hundreds of thousands yep Mm -hmm. it's fucked up Mm -hmm. Um, i believe that vp is still employed um i'd have to double check that eat shit riot eat absolute fucking shit and netflix i'm looking at you netflix you just gave them more money by giving them a platform on your platform so like my Netflix subscription's probably going to get canceled. <laughs> I don't that's fuck what, with Arcane. And that's what grassroots is, but ladies and gentlemen and ladies, you don't, you don't, you don't support the people you like with your money. Yep, you vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. But the next uh, question, I feel like I've been rambling, and I'm you, sorry. You did go through the third one uh, in in your rambling, so I'm gonna we're gonna go past that one. Um, how likely are you to consume products made by companies that have problematic people at the top? I feel like we've also hit that one just a bit, but you can. Yeah, no, I I feel like as much as I can be informed, I try to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sims is obviously by EA and I'm sure EA is terrible. We know they're terrible just based on their microtransaction system. Um, the Sims, in order to have all of the expansion packs, you'd have to spend something close to $1,000 to get the full capacity of the game, which is ridiculous and stupid. Um, and I find myself drifting more towards indie games or like, I don't, I mean, Nintendo, I feel, feels safer. But I'm sure it's not. I'm sure if you dug into Nintendo, they'd have some problematic nonsense as well. And when you, when I think about it too hard, it, it overall, like the whole industry doesn't feel safe to me. Like there doesn't seem like there's a like blemishless in like product to be found on the market. Um, I just try my, I just try my best. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't fuck with League. And yeah, like the only fair. thing that I fuck with League sometimes is Pop Stars by KDA. And I took it off my Spotify. Cause I'm like, as much as this song slaps, they don't deserve my money. <laughs> they don't deserve my money. Uh I don't know of anything that I play that's Activision Blizzard. I think the last Blizzard thing that I played was a lifetime ago. In order to keep me content while he played League of Legends, 
college boyfriend was like, let me introduce you to World of Warcraft. Uh, he introduced me to Civilization V and then got salty when I was better than him at it. <laughs> uh, step five is not Activision Blizzard, thankfully. Yeah, so like, I'm sure Bethesda's probably got problems, even though that breaks my heart because Skyrim is so fun and Fallout 3 is one of the like world-shaping games that I've played. But in all honesty, like, I don't game much. Like, I play Animal Crossing right now, and that's pretty much it. Like, I get one game, and I hyper-fixated on it for a while, and then I'm like, oh, right, games kind of make me feel icky. I should stop. So I do my best not to fuck with problematic companies across the board, even in my personal life. Like, when Kellogg's was on strike, we didn't fuck with Kellogg's. Um. And I I wanna I wanna just jump in real quick because I wanna I wanna have like a pro tip for those people are like, well, you know, it's gonna make it worse if you don't pay the like, you know, the wages for the individuals. But let me tell you people, those people got paid already. They that they're contract based. They got paid already. They don't get bonuses if you play or buy more skins or whatever, whatever. They they have made the product that you that has come out and they have gotten paid for services rendered. And that is the beginning and that is the end of their of their um relationship with the company All so you don't profit it's just going to it's just city. going to riot yeah or riot or blizzard or whoever it may be going to so like those skins you in those skins they have been made by somebody who has already been paid for it for services rendered um they don't get bonuses as far as i know uh, most places don't what's that they probably were underpaid that's that's also a thing. They were probably underpaid as far as industry standard goes. Um, so like the 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 paradox of like you know support the workers by supporting the product doesn't really work on the corporate level. Like for indie games, absolutely, absolutely, they they need the money. Most of them is most of them are like one to five people state studios. So those people need the money. Uh, but ape gets all of my money i trust that man with my life right now but, but parasocial uh, relationships are bad yes but uh but corporate company uh, the big corporations like riot activision blizzard and whoever else they've already paid their workers uh and probably underpaid them like Haley said um <sighs> so we'll get to the final question here um because i am strapped for time um how likely are you to associate with people who happily consume products made with problematic people in charge? Again, I hang out with you chuckle fucks and y'all play League. <laughs> I, it's sort of, I, I approached this question the way that I approach looking at things from like an environmental standpoint or like a social justice standpoint. Capitalism is inherently terrible. And unfortunately, you can be against what these companies are doing, but you still have to, like, participate in capitalism. And with gaming, because there's only X number, which I don't know what this number is, like, it seems to me that there's, like, big companies like Activision Blizzard, Bethesda, Nintendo, Riot, and then they have, like, littler ones underneath them, like, subsidiaries or, like, like they were talking about in the latest thing, like Sledgehammer is part of Activision Blizzard. So I'm sure if you made like a diagram of like like a like a thought web, like bubble Activision Blizzard and had all of its subsidiaries shoot out and their subsidiaries shoot out, it would be nearly impossible to have gaming as a hobby and not somehow have some part of your money going into the pockets of sexual abusers in gaming. It feels impossible, like in the way there's very little things you can buy in the market where it doesn't end up in Nestle's pocket, which is literally destabilizing the entire North Continental uh, tectonic plate by stealing water from California. But that's a topic for another day. Um, so instead of just saying, like, I'm not associating with anybody who plays League, which is how I lived my life for a very long time, I... I'm trying to give people a little bit of the benefit of the doubt where like if if Doc had approached me being like, hey, do you want to do a podcast with these guys that I met playing League? I could have missed out on this sense of community that I feel and joining a really fun D&D &D game and making some really great friends. 
because you guys, you all are decent people <laughs> who just happen to play this shitty game that I don't like. And wild thing about right. it is, all of us think the game is shitty, but we still play it. Which is why I decided I could be your friend. <laughs> but it's like we hate this game, but it lets us hang out together. I'm like, okay, you aren't trying to be like, I'm gonna end up on Cloud Nine or whatever, like Team Liquid or whatever it is. Like these are ancient words that my brain barely remembers. Mm -hmm. Um, I it it also sort of goes into like my pessimism about gaming like there's been talk about creating like safe spaces and like inclusive communities but these have always existed they're just delegitimized and marginalized by like the larger toxic community and just sort of like shoved away. I mean, like, you don't get to be a part of this thing because you're not a white dude who doesn't do anything but like play this game. Like, and when you see what's happening at the top, I've just sort of come to accept that like I'm gonna have to interface with problematic companies and problematic games in order to just do this thing I kind of like to do. And I don't ever expect to feel safe doing it. Like, that's just a level of risk I have to just accept in order to move through life. I have to do the same thing being someone who is in STEM and the public sector every single day. I have to think about when I step onto this podcast and is what I'm wearing going to draw attention in a way I don't want? Is how I, like, how I look, like, is my makeup too much or not enough? Is my hair in a way that's attractive, but not asking too much? Is it too much that I show my engagement ring online? Is that going to deter people or just make them try and say something about it? And you just have to sort of like accept a certain level of risk. And depending on the person, I have to accept that level of risk for people who play games from problematic companies, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to function in a space I kind of sort of like. And that's very pessimistic of me, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> that is 20 plus years of somebody who's had to deal with the pervasive culture of gamers. So yeah, like, I, I, I do not blame you at all for feeling that way. It's been happening since I was a kid. Like mm. I was like, I was allowed to play video games when I was a child. And as soon as I like hit middle school or high school, my mom's like, video games are for boys and video games are for kids. You got to grow up and not play games anymore. But I'm also watching adult men like Ninja and Ludwig and all these big streamers make gajillions of dollars doing something that's for kids, which games are not for kids. Not all games are for kids. <laughs> Clearly not all games are for no, kids. Please do not buy Manhunt for your five-year-old. I... But gratefully, perspectives outside of like, I guess you can call it like AAA. I feel like a lot of AAA is what's spotlighted right problem. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gaining traction and legitimacy. Like, um, I know, like from Twitter, uh, there's a large, like a movement to be like, hey, Twitch, stop treating black creators like ass. Hey, Twitch, do something about the fucking hate raids, you assholes. Exactly. Like, that's an example of grassroots stuff, whether Twitch listens or not. Like, I don't really fuck with Twitch. I, it's, I'm 29. I'm old. It's, it's a new thing. Like, if you don't, if you don't put your VODs on YouTube or like stream on YouTube, like, I watch Valkyrie because it's convenient. She's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and only when she plays certain games, she's like, we're playing Valorant today. I'm like, no. Hi. Um, I feel like, with my gaming, I'm going to support spaces where I feel safe. And that's usually not what's cool or fun. Well, not, it's fun for me, so it's fun. <laughs> but it's not what's cool. And it's it's kind of harder to find those niche things. But at the end of the day, gaming's a hobby. And like I feel like that's something people forget sometimes. Like Gaming can just be a hobby. You don't have to commodify it all the time like other people have. Um, but that's another thing about capitalism. And I was gonna say that's a whole other capitalistic issue of having to modify issue. everything you do. Yep. Uh, but gaming's a hobby, and it's something I've deemed 
overall as something that's unsafe for me to pursue as like a, like my main hobby. I've chosen partners and friendships based on how into gaming they are. And anything that I've deemed above like a casual interest in gaming, there's too much of an inherent risk. And that's a red flag. Uh, as a woman in STEM in the public sector, I'm at similar risk in my chosen vocation. So I'm going to take on the most, like accept the most risk in those areas that I'm extremely passionate about and gaming ate it fam. Even in your chosen field, in your chosen vocation and in STEM, theoretically, you're at least getting paid for it, right? You're not getting paid for shit in gaming. I like, I like exactly like there's a, there's a joke that I'll say is like, I'm sad enough in my everyday life. I don't want to be sad when I'm partaking in my hobby, unless I like want to watch Fruits Basket. <laughs> so I, and, I, also, I feel like I need that catharsis in my life. And that's completely different than yeah, just being like, sad. I don't want to have to take on bodily and mental risk for something I'm supposed to do as like a free time hobby. And it sucks because I feel like I'm missing out all the time because like you guys, like you all will have like Sharky's videos for your, are they A-Rams? A-Rams. Like those look so fun. Like you, you all look like you're having so much fun playing these multiplayer games and I will never be able to do that. Like there, I cannot fathom a reality where I will feel ever feel mentally okay enough to do that sort of thing. Duck messaged me very innocuously the other day being like, hey, I know League isn't your thing, but that Arcane show is actually really good. And I was like, I tried watching it. And within the first three minutes, dissociated so hard, my fiance had to snap me out of it with cold water. Like, there's so much I now have to miss out. Like, I feel like I'm missing out on. And like, I would love to do gaming stuff. Like, I think it would be fun to stream on Twitch. But like, I also don't want to get like threatened by just doing something that's fun. So like I've decided gaming's not for me, I guess. And I just do it by myself. It's a private thing. And I'm not gonna put the emotional energy into repairing what gaming culture has broken. Cause I don't feel like it's my job to do that. Like I shouldn't have to like continued sacrifice parts parts of my own peace and well-being just to participate in the gaming space and i'm just not i'm not gonna do it <laughs> that's valid like that's completely 100 percent valid um i think uh unless you have anything else to add i think we've gotten like hit no, all the that, was my, that was my last little note <laughs> <laughs> well good we got through all of them they're literally on like this is the back of a new notebook thing that mm-hmm. I had. A lot of them are on the back of my Star Wars Tearaway calendar. <laughs> Amazing. I, I have wanna... to use them for something or it feels wasteful. I want to chime in uh, at the end here. Uh, Hi, Sharky. Yeah, just because uh, I've been listening the whole time. Uh, it definitely has to be like a bottom up thing because even recently, every all over the last few months, this like saga of Activision Blizzard has been, you know, Blizzard more culture has been exposed they had like the hotel room that they nicknamed the cosby room and it was like all this other just like bullshit that came out of blizzard and that has been like leaking over into activision because of the lawsuit that state of california i think threw against them the two lawsuits and in i think the last week or so the board of directors uh agreed to not like throw out bobby Kotick's. But they instead put together a like committee that would like assess the work culture, but it's made by members of that same board. And it's that it's that whole thing of like we have done the internal work and we we, we have, have proposed that we have done no wrong. Yeah, it's like we have investigated our company and found out that we have done nothing wrong. Yeah, um, exactly. But then it's like even like the last day or so, Bobby Codex is like, I will leave if the culture isn't fixed, like quickly. But it's like the same people you who are protecting you, it. the same people who are protecting you are the same people investigating it. So like what's you are the culture? Leave it's like, bitch. It's like, what is your end game here? Because <laughs> clearly like, it's you, not fixing anything. 
you know that you've done fucked up if I know who you are in gaming. Like, I know Bobby Kotick from a Hey Ash, What You Playing video way back in the day where she, like, they made fun of the fact that he probably, like, snorts cocaine before they come up with, like, another Call of Duty idea. We're like, that baby's a bomb. It's a dumb video, but I knew who Bobby Kotick was, and I was like, you know you fucked up when I know your name. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely yeah, these... It's definitely, like, on the studio's hands sometimes, and on the same time, it's also the publishers, because they're the ones that push the crunch time, push push the heavy monetization of stuff. I mean, a few years ago, EA was ranked the worst company to work for on, like, a list. And, uh... The guy was like the like CEO of that company was like we don't want to be on that list anymore, but they haven't changed anything. So it's like it's definitely like the top down perspective is not working. So the worker the all the like designer walkouts that have been happening are definitely like the start of something that needs to probably happen. And uh, to go back to an earlier point that you made, Haley, uh, about Nintendo, Nintendo for the most part when it comes to the actual workforce is okay. They never like rush out anything. They're actually known for delaying games until they're done rather than like push their workers like through a bunch of crunch time. Uh they are notorious however for cease and desisting like emulations and fan projects like with no all hesitation. So they don't have a lot of good community will, but in terms of like a workforce, I think they are probably one of the more respectable uh companies they don't heavily monetize so they definitely respect uh respect you once you you know purchase their product a little bit mm. but yeah nintendo is like the mat is like second to probably disney in cease and desist so <laughs> yeah <sighs> that's all i wanted to chime with i'll let you guys uh, finish up thank right. you Sharky. So, yeah uh so i think with that we'll we'll call this episode i think we got over now holy shit um we were like this isn't gonna take as long takes over an hour um but it's all important things that needed to be said uh so as always you guys are more than welcome to comment uh uh, once again i will be keeping a close eye on the comments so come correct or i'll come for your neck um uh and feel free to like if you like what you see here you can subscribe i promise the next ones will be more lighthearted. But this just needed to be said. This needed to come out. It is our almost our civic responsibility as podcasters in this space to do that. Also, if people have questions about some of the like, I, I find it interesting, like grass, like the top down versus like ground up approaches. I have a whole degree in talking about it. So like, if that's something people have interest in, I would love to talk about like, activism or even just like uh picking organizations for like charity streams like i know a lot about nonprofits. i have a whole degree in it <laughs> i wrote a whole thesis about nonprofits, so i would love to talk about that side of responsible gaming as well so if that's something that you guys think is interesting you guys meaning our audience you all i'm trying not to say you guys as much mm. um just let sh- let me know in the comments. I would I would love to talk about it. <laughs> and with that, we'll wave goodbye and uh, see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for letting us talk about this. We're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>